and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Alex Tremble, and this is the Executive Field Podcast. As you know, this show, along with all of our speaking, coaching, and development services, are focused like a laser on helping organizations prepare high-performing leaders from all backgrounds to successfully transition to and excel in VP and other senior executive level positions. And if you and your organization are interested in developing diverse and highly effective executive leadership teams, then one, you're in the right place, and two, we encourage you to reach out to us at gpsleadership.org today or at team at gpsleadership.org because we'd love to discuss with you how we can partner to help you reach your leadership and culture elevation goals. Next, The Executive Pill is now one of the top 5% most popular shows in the world. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of feeling myself on this. And this didn't happen by accident. It was because of you. You led to this show getting the level of success that it is. And it'll be you who determines the continued success of this show. So please do us a favor. If you find this content helpful, beneficial, if it helps you grow and inspires you to just do things at least a little bit differently, then do us a favor. Please click that like button, click the subscribe, comment, share your questions, because every interaction you have with this show and this content helps propel, propel this show to a greater audience to help more and more people. And finally, I am so proud to announce that my new book, Relationships That Work, Four Simple Steps to Building Connections in, sorry, Four Simple Steps to Building Intentional Connections. We'll talk about that today. Intentional Connections in Business's Life is now available on Amazon.com. With all that, let me now say, today is a good day. See, today we have the always amazing, the always wonderful, the always immaculate Miss Kelly Buchanan Spillers. <laughs> See, Kelly spearheads a global team of talented marketing professionals dedicated to reimagining the customer experience by infusing human connections into every interaction. I love it. She has led integrated marketing planning, global and field marketing, business development, branding initiatives. The woman can do and has done almost everything. Under her guidance, digital experiencing, including website, um, MarTech strategies, and oh yeah, performance media challenge were flawlessly integrated to create a compelling and end-to-end journey for their customers and engaging customer loyalty. Uh, you know, prior to her role at Infor, Kelly served as the vice president of digital marketing for L'Oreal USA. And I'll just say really quick, no, I'm going to say it when she gets on because I've been waiting to say this all day. <laughs> Kelly is a visionary marketing executive with a remarkable 17-year journey in digital marketing and in advertising across diverse leadership roles in both business-to-customer as well as business-to-business arenas. Her expertise lies in harnessing the power of brand, crafting personalized experiences, and orchestrating unforgettable whew, customer journeys across all touch points. How are you doing today, madam? Well, better now. I feel like I should just carry you in my pocket and have you introduce <laughs> me to everyone. Um, it's such a pleasure to be here, Alex. Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, 
I have to get this off my chest because I literally have been waiting to say this. Every time I thought about you, the first thing I thought about was L'Oreal kids. Cause you know, like back in the day, the commercials. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. That, that joke or that comment is for a very specific generation. And uh, I can smell the like tutti frutti shampoo, you know, as you say that. So yeah, L'Oreal kids, that's a very, that's a good one. It's a throwback. And hopefully you make people Google that one. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I actually hope, I hope most people don't have to Google it. Am I just aging? I'm dating myself, evidently. <laughs> so look, let's, let's kick this off. How are you doing today, madam? Today is a good day. Um, you know, it's, I'm not sure when this will air, but it's September here in New York. Um, someone flipped the switch on the weather. It is officially fall now. It's, mm. There's a six in the front of the Fahrenheit number, and it's raining cats and dogs, but it's good here. It's, um, I always feel like the year is almost over as soon as August is over. Um, you get into this absolute sprint of like personal events and um, you know, Fashion Week happening in New York and all of these, you know, networking events that were once no longer because of COVID are all starting to come back. Mm-hmm. So it's a good day here in New York. You know, you, you talk about that six. Um, and the first thing that pops my mind is so everyone who's been you know, following the show, who's, been, who's on, on LinkedIn and YouTube, you'll see that you'll know that I have a, a new baby. I got a baby boy. At this point, he is now uh, one month, no, two months old. Let me I don't want him to sit up here. Congratulations. Thank Ooh. you. I am. <laughs> this is all like, this is all adrenaline because I am tired. Just let you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you're brave and you're still doing it anyway. So that's, and that's commendable. Thank you so much, madam. Yeah. And you know, my, my, my wife's mother just arrived in the country um, to help for a few months. And so she just mm-hmm. literally arrived this past Wednesday from Myanmar. Long, long, long trip. Um, Southeast Asia, oh, wow. and she is cold. <laughs> it is. It was, like, <laughs> it was like sixty-nine, and she's like, she's like cold. And it reminded me of like how contextual life is. Like, you know, I spent. I'm from California, but I spent a lot of time in Iowa. So like, that was like that was really cold. So like, when people are like, oh, this cold. That's a lot of snow. And I'm like, no, nah, not really. So like, life is very contextual. And so you, you, you make that makes me all think about you. Um, in an interview you were once in, you talked about how important, you talked about how important it was that you developed your mental toughness, right? And, mm. and mental toughness is important, but, but just like the weather and how, how some people are cold, some people are hot, is that different from, than everyone? Does everyone have a different level of mental toughness? And does everyone have a different capacity for mental toughness? I, I'd love to just kind of kick us off there if that's okay. Wow, kicking it off really easily, going from weather to mental toughness. No, it's, um, yeah, I, I, everyone's situation is very different. Um, I'm someone who it's very difficult to offend me. Um, and I think that's because I just come from a very diverse background, both like ethnically and, uh, my experiences are extremely diverse and I can see things from multiple angles. And even though I might not, and by the way, the way I'm describing this makes it sound like I'm perfect. Obviously I'm not. (laughs) Um, But what it is, is once you've had a diverse set of experiences, you can see why the culture of people help them see different perspectives or sides. You know, you mentioned your mother-in-law that's here from Myanmar. And um, I spent two years living in Singapore. 
And yes, when it was below 80 degrees, I felt like I needed a windbreaker. So I fully understand that acclimatization um, that you're experiencing with your mother-in-law. Um, but, you know, living in Singapore and having exposure to one of the most diverse Asian cities in the globe really helped me understand how business was executed in a completely different way. Um, I was grateful that living in Singapore, I was working at Sapient Nitro at the time um, and managing the Unilever business for uh, Sapient Nitro, which allowed me to travel to multiple different countries all over Southeast Asia. And by the way, my, my mom's from the Philippines, so it made me uh, able to be close to them and see them as often as I could. But, you know, traveling to all these different countries in Southeast Asia, it is a very different way of doing business in every single country. Um, and it made me understand, one, how American I was. My, my colleagues let me know that mm. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I didn't know what that meant until um, I saw it in my work ethic. Like I was happy to be the one that was there first in the morning and there last at night when they all valued, you know, going out to hang out with their friends after work yeah. at 530. And they, um, they just wanted to do other things with their life. But me as a, you know, top rising American, I wanted to be like optically the first person there and the last person to yeah. leave. Um, in Japan, I saw that a lot of the decisions were made um, going all the way up the chain, and then they come all the way back down the chain before an actual final decision is made. So I think mental toughness is definitely a function of the context that you're coming from. I think it's a function of the diversity of the experiences that you've had. Um, and it's, it's certainly not tolerance. It is understanding. I think mental toughness is um, you also understanding how much you can bear. You know, there are many times in my career that I've just said, you know what, <laughs> I'm not in the right place or this is not the right project for me or I'm not mentally here enough to yeah. give everything that I can and I want to be the best wherever I can be. And, um, and you do have to make the decision to exit sometimes. So mental toughness is sometimes also understanding where you don't have heart for something. Yeah. And um, yeah, it comes in many different forms. You know, I, I love, you, you, you said so much. Okay, so <laughs> I love everything, first of all. And um, the first thing I wanna talk about is, I, I did underscore earlier intentionality, the importance of being intentional. And it sounds yeah. like there is benefit to being intentional with exposing yourself to different people, different circumstances, different environments. So maybe that does contribute to your level of mental toughness um, and just your, your level of, of just your ability to, to work and get things done, right? Mm, right, right. Yeah, I would say um, one of the things that really excelled my career and frankly changed my life was going to L'Oreal. Um, the quality of people and talent I mean, everyone at L'Oreal is amazing. They're all really, really great at their jobs. And because everyone there is extremely competitive, you, and if you're a naturally competitive person, you become even more competitive, which is a good thing. You know, that's why they're number one in the market. Um, that's why they're very hard to get hired into. That's why it's very difficult to kind of break through um, in the talent pool at L'Oreal. Um, but even beyond going to L'Oreal and seeing what it's like to compete with some of the best people in the world for that next position or for that number one position for a brand yeah. um, was frankly going to get my MBA. Um, I chose to go to the executive program at NYU Stern. I chose at a very strange time. Well, not a strange time. There was no way to know it was strange, but it was January 2020. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> some things happened that year. Um, what? but what I got, but what <laughs> did change was the people I got exposed to 
those two decisions in my life were some of the most excelling and propelling that have ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Those professors that I have exposure to have exposure to changed some of the decisions that I made on jobs I wanted to take or didn't take and reasons why, or the people that I met in my cohort and also within the other like ERGs that I was in, or I shouldn't say ERGs, we're all students, um, but student resource groups that we're all in are friends of mine now that I call for advice. And they all have multiple years of experience either ahead of me or alongside me, but in a different industry. That Those two decisions alone significantly changed the the trajectory of my life, um, and specifically my career decisions. And they exposed me to people that I would never have dreamed of being able to call my friends and my mentors. So um, yeah, you have to have very intentional plans for what you want in any individual decisions. Otherwise, you're just kind of subjecting yourself to random chaos. (laughs) You you know, if if I can share a quick story of my own, because I I loved yours. So mine will be much more brief. I was born, and on that day, I joking. I'm not gonna. When, <laughs> when I was an undergrad, when I was an undergrad, I um I was a counseling major, so I double majored psychology and sociology. My plan was to be a high school counselor. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed working with youth and helping people reach their goals, especially youth. And there was a guy who I met, who I've known for a while. We played football together, and then. He was like, hey, Alex, you should consider um, industrial and organizational psychology. And I'm like, uh, I have no idea what that is. And he's <laughs> like, um, it's basically a counselor, but for like businesses, like <laughs> you'll help businesses um, yeah. and you'll make more money. And I was like, huh, let me let me look into this. And I'll tell you, I had never heard of that term. And it wasn't for me talking to him and him bringing that idea to me which now put my, my career, my complete life on a different trajectory. I share that story to, to underline the importance of being around phenomenal people. You just talked about like just being around other interesting, phenomenal people opens your world to ideas that maybe you never even thought about because you realize, you know, I don't know what I don't know. And just being around interesting people feeds more of that into you, right? A hundred percent. I think that. You know, there's all these tropes around networking, especially, you know, in in lines of business, but um, it's real and it works. And, you know, being around, to your point, people that not only inspire you, but you know are smarter than you, are equally as capable as you are, but have had some sort of stroke of luck or break, you have to be around those people to understand how they function and to, frankly, just mimic them until you can figure out how to do it yourself. And then one day I saw people turn around and ask me some, some of the same questions that uh, I used to ask my mentors. And I thought to myself, oh, something has shifted. Uh, <laughs> something in this chemistry has, um, has changed such that people are observing me as, a, as the successful person. But I'm still you know, looking up to my mentors as mm-hmm. asking them questions for how to become more like them. And so the daisy chain continues. But networking is a very real thing. It takes a lot of hard work, very intentional work. And you can't network the same level with everyone. Like you have to really choose which relationships you're going to invest in and be consistent because the worst thing that could happen to you when you're networking is that people know you as the person who only calls when they need something. Hopefully you're also giving them something back of value in that relationship. So, you know, I should have just co-opted this, that my last book with you, the relationship network, <laughs> because everything you're talking about, we talk about in the book and how to do it. Like, again, I, I promise everyone, I didn't pay her to, to say this. 
where do I send the check? Um, what's called? And I want to I want to follow up on that and and just say, look, you're in NYC. Um, yet that place is popping, you know. Uh, and I'm in the DC area, and I'll tell you, I, I'm assuming that NYC is sorry, New York City is um is similar to DC in this respect. If you come to DC and worked at NDC, you will either like I feel like you will either be like motivated to like just like kill it, um, smash like just do really well, or you can be deterred because oh my god. Everyone is so amazing. Why am I not as amazing? I must not, like, my life must be horrible because all these people are so much better than I. And so, like, some people um, think about networking, like, oh, my God, I'm, they say to be around, like, the best people. But didn't that didn't make me feel crappy because I see everyone else being great. And I'm like, I'm not there. Mm, mm. Yeah, I hear you. Um, New York is certainly a city that runs on 11, like, on a scale of 10. It runs on 11. But that 11, you can dip in and out of that 11 as often as you want. And I think one of the things that's exacerbated the feeling that you're describing, frankly, is social media. Mm. And it's very easy to feel like you live in New York City or you live in D.C. or you live on an 11. Anytime you pick up your phone and you look at social media and you start to compare yourself to all the things that are going on in other people's lives compared to yours. Um, I got some fantastic advice from someone that I met at Cannes uh, earlier this year, which is effectively like the marketing Olympics. You know, you go to the Cannes Creative uh, Festival of Creativity to see all of the amazing, glorious work that's put on display the best of the year. But one of my, um, one of the folks that were, were giving us advice, I was in the CMO Accelerator this year, led by Jim Stangle, who's incredible. You should definitely ask him to be on your show. You um, should, you should connect said, us. I can do that for you. <laughs> But see, here we are networking. Um, but uh, this person that was speaking to us said, comparison is the thief of happiness. And it's absolutely true. You know, it's one of those things where if you're building a career and a life that you're happy with, you have to be happy with it. You can't assume that um, because your mom or your best friend or your dad or your brother think that your job is amazing, that it's going to make you happy that they're happy for you. Like you have to be the one who wakes up every day, checks those emails, follows the calendar and executes on all the KPIs and OKRs that are responsible for your team. At the end of the day, you can't live your life comparing it to everyone else, assuming that that's going to make you happy reaching for what other people have. I think that's, that's the danger of, um, of social media, frankly. And there are many studies out there uh, that support this, including work from Jonathan Haidt um, and many others. But um, if you want to live your life on an 11 as often as you want, you step outside the door in New York and you engage with an 11. Yeah. Or you can put on your AirPods, go on a walk in the rain like I did this morning and be all alone and feel like it's a five. And uh, it really depends on the environment you want to put yourself in. But if you have the ability to change your mindset and not compare your life to others, you'll find that you can be wherever you want to be mentally and then successful as you want to be. Are you ready to bring your DEI efforts to the next level? Introducing Alex Tremble. 
a professional speaker who combines expertise and entertainment to create an unforgettable experience for DEI professionals and organizing staff. With a focus on leadership, mentorship, and relationship building, Alex is dedicated to helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse and high-qualified leaders. From the 12 pillars of an effective mentoring relationship to the seven must-have leadership skills, Alex provides practical advice that can be immediately implemented. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have Alex at your next event. Contact team at alextrimble.com to book the speaker who will take your organization's diversity and inclusion journey to new heights. Kelly, you are you are you are amazing. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. No, this is just how I feel. <laughs> and 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 your feelings are correct. Everyone, if you don't feel this, when well, I'm joking. No, but seriously, you're you are really really amazing. And I want to share a quick story. It's it's kind of raw because the idea is kind of still jumbling in my head since yesterday. Um, I was in the line at Costco to get um, to get gas. Oh, I, 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 Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, um, I'm in the line to get gas and um, I look at the, the, the line next to me and they move forward and I didn't, I didn't move. And I'm like, man, okay, you know, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll catch up to them. And then their line moves forward again. I'm like, dude, like what the freak? <laughs> I, did, I, picked, I picked the wrong line. Man, I can't believe I'm always mm. picking the wrong line. And, and then, you know, obviously the, my, the idea kind of got to like, same thing in the grocery store. You pick the wrong grocery line. The next one goes faster than you. And and then it occurred to me. I'm like, um, one, I'm comparing myself to the one line that's moving faster than me. But my line is actually moving faster than other people's lines. And I'm like, I, I didn't even think about that. And then the next thing was like, so what? Like their line moves faster than mine. It doesn't impact my goal at all. I'm like, okay, sure. I'll get gas three minutes later. But it doesn't impact my life. But I'm still having that comparison because I see someone else moving faster. And like, how crazy is that our minds move so quickly to comparison? And the last thing I'll say is I, I, um, this is one thing I, I talk to my, my coaching clients a lot about is that I remind them that, you know, for high performers, um, that it's not their goals that are, that generally provide them stress. It's the time at which they believe their goals need to be accomplished. Like you can have these phenomenal goals and I know you're going to achieve it. You're a freaking rock star. But why are you beating yourself up because you didn't achieve it in six months? You know, like this is, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> it's like just any reactions I, I just put out there. Yeah, I would say there's been a, a pretty interesting turning point in my um, personal perception of my success and in my career. I'll say that going through the executive MBA experience while in COVID, <laughs> Let, made me realize I was capable of a lot more than I was pushing myself to do. Mm -hmm. But I also simultaneously realized I don't have to choose a life of that great of an intensity. Like I, my friends who have known me for a really long time have always known me to um, be constantly trying to elevate and do something more, do something different, do a lot all simultaneously. And um, more recently, they've noticed that, um, and this is an intentional choice I've made, yeah. to, to not do as much, to frankly add more interactions in my life that are feeding my soul mm -hmm. um, more than they are feeding my potential career trajectory. And I think that's a function of having achieved enough 
that I don't, and I'm not talking financially. I'm really just talking about like personal satisfaction. Mm -hmm. I have enough personal satisfaction knowing that I can, which enables me to decide I don't have to, which is kind of a strange juxtaposition. Um, I'll share with you something that I'm working on right now that brings me so much like personal joy that it, it definitely doesn't pay, <laughs> but it, but it does like bring me a lot of like um, intellectual stimulation and, and yeah. joy. So this summer at uh, NYU, they pulled together a lot of, we call ourselves BEMBAs or Black Executive MBAs uh, at NYU Stern. We all got together over the summer and met the new Dean of Diversity and Inclusion. His name's uh, Professor, well, Doctor, excuse me, Victor Mullins. Um, but I met him and I had this strange idea. I said, you know what? One of these days I want to be a professor. Like when I'm, when I'm all done working, mm-hmm. um, hopefully one day I'm done working, I want to you know, come back to NYU and give back. How do I become an adjunct professor? And he said, well, I can do that for you. Just similar how you were asking me about Jim Stangle. He said, well, I can do that for you. And he put me in touch with uh, the head of the undergrad business department. And now I'm training to become an adjunct professor. And I'm sitting in on classes at NYU Stern, talking to senior students who are getting ready to graduate, teaching them professional responsibility and social impact. And the conversations that we've been having in that class about this generation that's getting ready to graduate and their relationship to work are staggering. Mm-hmm. And just hearing about what they care about, how they want to continue to carry their what they call real life into their work life, that is going to change the workplace tremendously in the next three to five years. And I wouldn't have had the exposure to these students yeah. if it wasn't for me asking that question of curiosity to Dr. Victor Mullins. That experience, this experience I'm having right now is making me whole. Like I, I truly feel complete having this experience. And um, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm doing because I want to, not because I have to. And um, it's equally as valuable to me personally as it is having a very successful career. And this is a place where I'm volunteering my time until I'm paid. So it's, it's been a real big shift for me, frankly, in the last like three to five years mm-hmm. in um, deciding that I, I can do as much as I want. And I'm going, only going to choose now to do the things I want to do including teach one day. So I, I just want to say, I can, I can feel your energy in these exhales and I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had, I had a friend literally yesterday. Um, he called me. He's like, Hey, look, um, I have this great idea. Um, we're going to develop these, these new systems. So I, my, my organization, GPS leadership solutions does a lot of, tr- does coaching and training. Uh, specifically for individuals who are moving up to that executive level ranks. So that's, that's where we focus. And he was like, look, I got a, I got a, an idea that we can make a lot of money with HR systems. And he was like, you can do this and this and this and this. And I said, dude, like, um, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I'm just, I'm just not interested. You know, for me, what I have learned and come to be okay with is uh, what I really want is to make enough money that I don't have to think about money. I always tell people that there's enough money that I don't have to think about money. And mm-hmm. then I want to have enough freedom and space to just to be with my wife and my kids. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's what's important. I don't need to be the multi-millionaire business mogul. I, I want to be very yeah. comfortable. Yes. But like, I, I realize what's really important to me and there's a way to get there. Just being innovative and strategic and you know, running my own business. But I I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think there are here. I want to put this out there. I think there are, there's definitely a change in 
how the younger generation is thinking about work and, and life. And I like to use the work life balance thing, but work and life. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, there is there's a good amount of research showing that 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 younger generation has not been investing as much. Right. Uh, and thinking about yes. their future in that respect. And there's a lot of factors and variables. Yes, it is extremely expensive to live like that. And, and compensation hasn't yeah. kept up and so on and so forth. But I would just say, like, you should think, I think and I'm, I'm assuming you're doing this. You're thinking about this is the life I want to live. And then how do I do that while also having the financial backing to live that life? Like just being intentional about thinking through that versus saying, I got to pick one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe in an integrated life. I think that I'm lucky in that I love working. So when people work with me, um, they get a level of like intensity and directness where they're like, oh, um, <laughs> like she means business. And it's true because I love my, I love working. I love marketing. I love, um, I love having challenges. I love leading teams. And for me, that's almost a game. So, you know, waking up every day and playing that game is a pleasure that I'm very, I'm lucky to be able to have, you know, have this amazing life that I've created. But I also think there's, there is a big distinction kind of going back to what we talked about, the the distinctions in cultures and the way people, businesses make decisions based on their cultural context. Americans love to work hard. That's what's been kind of ingrained in us. And I think that belief is slowly beginning to change and that you, you have to work, you know, these crazy hours every week in order to become successful. I think what's happening with this younger generation that's coming out of college now is they're realizing that there's a way to work smarter, not as hard, earn enough. To your point, they don't have to have it all. They earn enough to lead that life that they want. And that life might not require, you know, luxury goods. It might not require the fanciest things, but it will require them to have enough money to go have experiences with their friends and loved ones, enough money to eat out at the places where they would consider that even an experience. And enough is a newly defined amount for this, um, you know, this generation that's kind of redefining the way that we work. And I think we're all learning a lot from them through the pandemic, right? Is um, we all kind of quickly reverted into our old habits as quickly as we could get to them. But then some of us started questioning, wait a minute, why is that a habit? (laughs) I was just able to break (laughs) that when the world told me I had to. But why am I reverting back to the old habits that are kind of ingrained into my nervous system? When I should be asking myself, is that actually what I want? Or is that just what I'm doing automatically? So we have a lot to learn from this next generation that we'll all be managing. Look, I, I know, again, I, I love being in this space, in this, this, this digital room with you. At some point, I'm going to go out to New York and we're going to have a great time. We're going we're gonna to meet up and have some drinks. And then we're going to talk about like, we're going to walk in the rain and sing and all, all kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> But until Very romantic day we're gonna have, <laughs> not like you know, like you know, like like someone from video us and doing, doing the whole sing in the rain thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, um, I just I want to open. I, no, la- one last question, and I'm, I'm gonna open the, the space for you. Um, sure. And I'm cheating, but I want to ask you if you could go back and and tell give yourself one bit of advice. Um, what would it be? Now, again, that's a corny question. And I have, a, I have a great answer because I love to ask that question. That's a super corny question. But no, I'll tell you my answer no. and I'll let you answer yours because I, I may influence yours. Okay. 
kind of want to sure. do this. I don't mess you up. Okay. So if I could go back in time and tell myself some advice, I would go back maybe a week and I would tell myself um, to, to play certain lottery numbers. That, 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 that'd be it. And I, I say that because I, I consistently tell people we are who we are because of our experiences. And, and I like who I am. And if I were to go yeah. back and tell myself some different advice, I may be a completely different person. I may be, end up being an a-hole. I don't, I don't know. You know, we just don't know how that, <laughs> I think I'm not, um, but I could end up becoming one. I, I'd rather have those experiences. I didn't just have the money. Um, so yeah. I'll put that on the table. If you could go back um, and give yourself some advice, how far would you go back and what would that advice be? Wow, that's a great question. I would probably go back even all the way back to like high school and say, uh, it's going to be okay. Mm. And just, I was so afraid to make mistakes. I was so afraid to get a B. I was so afraid to, you know, not be at the top of my class that I genuinely pushed myself to the brink to the point where that became the muscle memory was all being that thing I mentioned before, like always mm -hmm. trying to achieve more and more that that was just an ingrained habit over time. Yeah. And I think I would have enjoyed my experiences more. And um, I probably would have had more experiences if I wasn't constantly worried about that push. Um, but to the point that you made earlier, we're all a culmination of our experiences. That's what, you know, make us who we are. And I love who I am today. I have you know, I, I wouldn't regret or change anything. But what I would change is worrying so much and, mm -hmm. and telling myself it's going to be okay. Because um, worrying is such a wasted emotion. And um, <laughs> it really is. And it's, it's almost like um, it's a self-soothing one, right? You're, you're yeah. worrying because you, that's almost a function of pre-planning or thinking through things or having a strategy. Yeah. Um, when you can just accept, accept that things are going to play themselves out, however they yeah. play themselves out. Yeah. But if you prepare well enough, you shouldn't have to worry. So I would yeah. tell myself it's going to be okay. I, 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 I love that. I love if you prepare well, well enough, you shouldn't have to worry because why do both, right? If you're prepared, you're prepared. You handle the best you can. Yeah. If you haven't prepared, I understand Absolutely. why you're worried. <laughs> <laughs> Completely, completely. And, you know, people in my life know me as a very prepared person. Um, I'm the first one to make a spreadsheet when no one asks for one. So, uh, you know, it's, it's that kind of ingrained behavior that um, it's just reflexive, but that's, yeah. that is who I am now. And can I change it? Sure. But it would be very difficult to break those habits. So yeah. um, if I wasn't worrying so much, maybe it wouldn't be there. You know, um, Kelly, I, I appreciate everything you've shared, especially the fact that I'm going to make sure my wife listens to this um, because, honey, um, she just said that any of the crazy stuff I was doing with our son, like, don't worry about it. Like, there's, he'll be okay. Thank you, Kelly. He will be okay. He will be okay. <laughs> you will also be okay. When your sleep catches up, you'll be okay. <laughs> Thank you. Look, Kelly, is there any final thoughts, ideas, anything you like to share with the audience as we wrap up? Sure. Um, these last few months, I've been looking to expand my personal network. And I want to encourage everybody to, wherever you like to lean into your network, go to a physical event, go network, connect with two or three people, um, and actually follow up with them and build a genuine connection with something, someone you have something in common with. 
I have uh, made some decisions recently to go to Afrotech, which is one of my new favorite events. And, and I see you snapping and I'm here for it. Like um, Morgan and the Blavity team do an incredible job in Austin, Texas. So I'll be there in November talking with some amazing women from Time Magazine and Google um, on stage with the executive teams. And I'm also going to the ANA Masters of Marketing in Orlando later this year. These are two personal investments I'm making um, in helping build out my network and continue that inspiration we talked about. But that would be my call to action for everyone is don't take for granted what we lost in 2020. Get back out there, meet people in person, don't choose the remote option because it's easy and you're not going to be as engaged as you would have otherwise been. Go in person, make the connections, make the investment, both in yourself and um, in your career. And you never know, you might bring some friends out of it. But that would be my only advice. Kelly, I love it. I love it. And she, I want to underscore where you said personal investment. She's making a personal investment on in her future and herself. So many people are like, well, I want to grow, but my. But my manager just did, they're not developing me or the company's not developing me. It will be, yes. yes, it's absolutely wonderful when the company does, the manager does and so on and so forth. And I, again, that's what we work with. But if they don't, what are you going to do? Just sit there? Nah, like do it, <laughs> do it, do it. Look, we're going to make a dance out of this. Do the, do the Kelly. Dun, 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 dun. Like, <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> you got me in trouble now. I can feel a meme coming. I can feel a meme coming. <laughs> No, but it's true. Um, I Maybe I'll give one more just personal anecdote. Um, I started going to South by Southwest in, I feel like maybe the first one I went to was in uh, 2008 or 2009 and have been trying to go to an annual conference as often as I could ever since, but personally funded. And I say that that was like my personal trick in my earlier part of my career, uh, maybe even sooner than that. I can't remember. But what I did was I paid for the conference myself, but asked my company for the time off, right? Like, don't yeah. count this time that I'm at this conference, investing in myself as vacation. And it was kind of a compromise until companies began to pay and sponsor for, um, sponsor for going to conferences. But it's that kind of meeting in the middle where it doesn't have to be all on the company to invest mm. in you because those kinds of things are going away slowly. As, as sad as it makes me to say that, yeah. it's true. You know, companies are slowly kind of cutting out um, all of these fringe benefits because there's just less pie to go around uh, right now, although other people might disagree with that. So if there is an opportunity for you to invest in yourself, do that. Then ask your company to meet you in the middle. Don't count those days away as vacation, but also mm -hmm. don't go to the conference and be on your laptop working the whole time. That's also the opposite of what you're intending mm -hmm. to do. Um, and, just a and tidbit. And don't go to the conference and stay on social media the entire time. Like yes. be engaged. <laughs> yes. Ask a question. Listen to the yes. speakers. Get your money's worth. Look, everyone, if you think, if you believe what she is saying has value, um, one, I'm going to just tell everyone, you need to read the book Relationships That Work. It'll, it'll teach you how to do all these strategies and, and much more. Um, but two, don't, don't let this advice stay with you. Just stay with you. You need, if you found value of it, if you found that it, it brought a new idea or thought or it's going to motivate you to do something differently in your life, then, then, then don't keep it to yourself and bring someone else to the table. Or more importantly, bring the content to them. Share it. Click it. Again, we always tell people, don't just look back, reach back. Don't just look back and say, that person over there should have been here. They would have benefited. Don't do that. Reach back. Bring them to the table. Bring the content to them so they can grow as well. Um, Madam, you are one of those 
magnificent people I've I've ever had the honor of meeting. And just th- thank you so much for being here today. <sighs> Alex, it was my pleasure, genuinely. You're a natural. And I'm so happy to have spent some time with you and with your audience. So thank you so much for giving me this platform. Thank you. Ma'am, everyone, you know where I'm going with this. I encourage you all, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trimble, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and his speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.